Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 15. We've been working through a series for a while on Sunday mornings on faith. As we've looked through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we've not finished that yet, but I wanted to take a break here at the beginning of this year to look at our theme for 2023. Each year, I take quite a bit of time, usually starting about May or June, and uh, sometimes the Lord lays things on your heart very quickly. Sometimes I feel like I'm praying for three or four months to see what direction the Lord would have us to go as we look forward to the next year. But this year, along about um, July, August, this past year, I was looking ahead to where the Lord was leading our church. I was going back to this passage of Scripture as the theme of truthfulness. And I think it flows well out of our theme on faith because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. And I believe as we walk by faith, we will experience and see God produce truth in and through us as He wants us to have. So I think the theme of truthfulness and fruitful we're going to be looking at together this year. I hope will flow well together with this theme of faith that we've been discussing now for the last few months. And the Bible has lots to say about fruitfulness. Because if you think about it, especially the words of Jesus Christ, as he lived and walked on this earth, he walked around in a culture that grew lots of grapes and grew lots of grain. They had Big trees, they had olive trees, they were really a society that lived a lot around the farm or around growing things. And so it was very natural for Jesus to use lots of illustrations from the farm. I think one of the challenges many of us today living in big cities in 21st century America is that while some of you may have grown up on a farm, we live a long way from the farm here. And, and we go to the grocery store, and we think fruitfulness is when the shelves are stuck. And uh, we think it's not fruitful you know, during times of hurricane or flood or freeze when everybody buys all the milk and bread in the store and there's nothing available. Or if you were like me, you were running out to ACB on, on Christmas Eve to pick up the last few things and the ACB down on Washington like, Power, and so everybody from they usually go to that store, came to the ACB, up off of Shepherd, almost to 610, and then the ACB at 610, all of their tax registers went down, and so the lines were fetched up, and we were standing in line wondering, are we going to get any groceries at all? You know, you're standing in a store surrounded by food, surrounded by good things to eat, and you couldn't get a hold of any of it. And uh, I will be glad to know that Pastor did not do that. Uh, I stood in line like everybody else. I considered many times putting the groceries down and just giving up and saying, you know what, we have enough food at home. We'll be fine without the few little things just to make the celebration that much more special. But I persevered and made it through. But that is not what fruitfulness is. God does a work in his people to produce fruit. In the same way that God does a work in every tree and 
every bush and every plant that has ever grown to be able to take the process of photosynthesis, the sunlight from the sky to come down and to work on those leaves, and for water to be drawn up and nutrients from the soil to grow up through that plant, and that plant that grows in the field is able to produce fruit. Fruitfulness, bearing fruit, is a miracle. It's a miracle that happens in nature. It's something only God can do, that God can design, that God can bring out. And I believe it's a miracle that God does it in nature. If we look at the theme of fruitfulness this year, I want you to understand this is not our work. This is God's work. But God produces fruit in faithful people. God produces fruit in those who are firmly rooted in Christ. Those, as you'll see over the next few weeks here from John chapter 15, those who are firmly connected to the Bible. As we look this morning, I want you to think with me around this theme of fruitfulness. I want to focus on one specific aspect of it. Is that less equals more. Less equals more. No, I'm not going to talk about minimalism this morning. I know some of you made a new resolution. It might be a revolution for some of you. But resolution, I'm going to organize my house. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to get rid of all the junk. We're just going to try to be more minimalistic this year. That's not what the message is this morning. Even though maybe some of you do need to clean some junk out of your houses. No, but this scene in John 15, 1 and 2, shows us that less equals more. Let me read you these two verses, and I think you'll begin to see what I mean. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's speaking these words in the upper room with his disciples just shortly before he goes to the cross. As he's speaking these words, there are only 11 disciples left in the room because Judas has already left to betray Jesus. If you want to check this, just go back to John 14, 13, you'll see all the stories taking place. And in the middle of all this, can you imagine the setting? Jesus is sitting there with his disciples. He's in the upper room. Judas has already gone out to the prayer. Jesus knows what Judas is doing. Judas knows what Judas is doing, but the rest of the disciples don't do it. Jesus knows what's about to happen to them. From here, they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. From there, Jesus is going to be in prayer, and then Judas is going to come bringing the soldiers. They're going to arrest him. They're going to take him before Pilate. And you know the series of events by Pilate that ended up in the cross. And so in John chapter 15, these are some of the last words of Jesus. One of the last messages that he shared with his disciples before he was about to die. In these words, he says, I am the true God. And my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Let Now, Jesus, in this statement at the beginning of verse 1, he, he says something that is really important, and I don't want you to miss it this morning. Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the true vine. 
Now, what's the significance of this statement? What is the significance of the but? Why does Jesus begin with statement? Is he just giving an illustration? Well, there is an illustration in the Bible. But Jesus is using language that would have meant a lot to his Jewish audience. Because you see, the theme of the vine was not new with Jesus when Jesus spoke these words. Because all you have to do is go back to the Old Testament and study the theme of the vine, and you'll see that God has used the illustration of the vine to describe the nation of Israel. I don't have time to read through every passage in the Old Testament that talks about the vine, but let me just read through a couple. In Psalm 80, verse 8, the psalmist compares Israel to a vine. He says, Thou hast brought a fire out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted. That's the psalmist talking about. He's talking about the nation of Israel. When they were brought out of bondage in Egypt, they were brought to the promised land and he planted them there in the promised land. So the nation of Israel was called a vine. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 5, in verses 1 through 7, Now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. He says, talk about the nation of Israel as a vineyard, a place where vines grow. He says, my beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Has God blessed the nation of Israel and put them in a place where they could bear much fruit? Yes. He fenced it. He gathered out the stones thereof. He planted it with the choicest and he built a tower in the midst of it. You know why they built towers in the middle of vineyards? They would have men stationed in those towers and they would be armed with rocks or arrows or some other type of uh, weapon that they could use to keep the foxes out, to keep the wild animals out, and to watch for thieves who might try to come in and steal the grapes. So he built this vineyard. He planted this vineyard. He sent this vineyard. He protected this vineyard. Don't you see the picture of what God did to the nation of Israel? And it says he made a wine press there. In other words, he expected the vineyard to produce fruit. Because what the wine press for is the place where all the grapes go and they cut them down so that they can get the juice out of it. And it says he looked at it to bring forth grapes. But Isaiah says at the end of verse 2 of chapter 5, he has brought his wine with So the Father plants this vineyard. He does all this work to prepare it. But instead of bringing forth good grace to produce good fruit and good juice, he says to produce wild fruit. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard today? Is it God's fault that the children of Israel did not finish anything? Had God not blessed them enough? Had He not protected them enough? Had He not provided for their needs? He says, Wherefore, when I looked at it to bring forth grace, God put wild grace. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. This is a very sad prophecy, but this prophecy is the fact. I will take away the hills for you. And break down the wall there, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall 
not be taken, nor do, but they shall come up bright and born by law to command the clouds that they rain no more rain upon us. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. If you have any question on who is going to be in today's city, and the men of Judah is his pleasant plan, and he lifts for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a crime. I think probably the saddest statement that a prophet makes about the Bible is found in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 1. He says, Israel is an empty. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruits, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made his These men that Jesus spoke to during the Revelation, they knew the prophecies about Israel. They knew the words of the prophet Isaiah. They had heard the prophet Hosea. They had heard what he had said as his words were written down and passed down from generation to generation. Israel was living in this day of bondage. They were being oppressed now by Rome. They had experienced this time where their wall had been torn down, where the grapes or the vines had been trodden down. They were in the middle of experiencing God's judgment. Why? Because they didn't produce fruit. It wasn't that they had every opportunity to. But they did not use what God had given them. Instead, they sought after false gods and chased after their own life. So when Jesus says to his disciples that night in the afternoon, I am the true vine. There's a lot of significance in this Israel knew what it was to be an empty vine. And I would tell you this morning, there are lots of empty vines or false vines that we try to attach ourselves to. The truth that we will see in John chapter 15 is that you cannot bear fruit by yourself. You can't bear fruit unless you are connected to the vine. So think with me for a few minutes this morning about some of the false vines that we try to connect ourselves to, hoping that we bear for There's the false vine of self-reliance. The false vine of self-reliance. I can do this on my own. And you won't bear fruit anymore. But many people today, sadly, even many people in the church, many Christians say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it done. It's a false vine. It's a false vine. There's no fruit when you attach to the vine of self reliance. Others would attach themselves to the vine of the pleasures of this world. Something or someone else will make me happy. If I can just get this thing or that thing, and it's worth doing whatever I have to do to get it, then I'll be happy. The self the false bind of immorality. The false bind of finances. The false bind of fame. False vine of the recognition of others. 
another false bias we could say is the false bias of the season. If I can just accomplish something, then I'll be fulfilled. There are a lot of people that will write down New Year's resolutions. That's fine. If you're excited to do some new things this year, I think you ought to do your best to accomplish them. But accomplishing those things will not bring forth the truth that you hope to have if all your life is just focused on accomplishing. Because achievement is a false bias. Jesus made it very clear. He is the truth. He is the truth. There's only one true God. I think there are other false bodies that even as Christians we can easily find ourselves becoming attached to. The false bind is trying to enjoy God's blessings without seeking to serve the God who gives them. That's a very tricky bind that may look a lot like the true bind, but it's enjoying his blessings without really getting to know and walking with the one who is the giver of those blessings. You say, what am I talking about? Well, it's easy for us as Christians and as church as individuals to live on the past. Now, let me tell you about what God used to do. Let me tell you about what I used to do for the Lord. It's a false bond. It's a false bond. There's only one true Bible that binds Some would say that, well, I'm just enjoying the benefits today of what God did in the past. Praise the Lord, but we need to keep enjoying that. God is blessed. This church has worked really hard to see what has come to pass being here today. And it would be very easy for us to say, Let's just sit back and enjoy these blessings that we have. There was a man that Jesus talked about in the Bible in Jesus who was blessed very much in his farming. And so he decided, I'm just going to tear these barns down and build bigger barns just to enjoy the goodness and the blessings that I received. And you remember what he said to himself? He said, Soul, take thine ease. Take thine ease. God has not put us here to take our ease. He has put us here as soldiers in his army. He has put us here as faithful children, as servants in his household, as people are to be worshipped until Jesus comes. I think there's also the false bias of trying to look good on the outside and not letting God transform the world. We can get to a point in our spiritual life where we know how to walk the walk and talk the talk. We know how to say the right things. We can even quote the right Bible verses. We can sing all the songs. We can dress just right. But if that's what it's all about, that's a false bond. There's no fulfillment in that. There's only one true bond. Jesus said, I am the true God. There's only one true bond. So where are you trying to find your hope, your rest, your focus, your purpose? What's motivating you this year? Is it to be more like Jesus and to tell more people about Jesus? Or is it to just get a little bit more for myself? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
Christ. No man comes unto the Father but by You may be here this morning. And you've lived your life pursuing all kinds of different things. You've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to trust in a relationship with some other person and it just hasn't helped like you thought it would. You've chased after earning money. You've chased after fame, a new career, a new position. And at the end of the day, you sit back and say, it's just not working. But maybe you're sitting down to run some plans for the new year and you say, you know what, the last four years haven't worked out like I planned them to be, so why even bother to keep trying? Jesus says, come unto me. All who labor are heavy laden, so take my yoke upon upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You've never taken faith and trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to give you eternal life, to give you real purpose in life. What better day than today? The first day of 2023 to put your faith in Jesus, to put your hope in the true vine. There's no fruitfulness in any other vine except Jesus. Jesus said, I am the true vine. You see a great significance in this vine, but I want you to notice. The work of the husband. The work of the husband. You see the significance of the vine. What about the work of the husband? Because at the end of the verse 1, Jesus says, And my father is the husband. What does that word even mean? Well, he's the farmer, he's the one who tends to the grace. He is the one who is keeping track of the vine. is responsible for the work that is getting done in this vineyard. That's what the husband is. That's what he does. I want you to notice from verse 2 three different things about the husband and the work. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that divides, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Think first in the work of the husband, and we can see his power. His power. You say, what's his power? Well, he's the one who takes away. He's the one who does the purging or the pruning of the vine. You know, sometimes we want to put ourselves in the position of the husband, don't we? You know what? I think it's time to do a little study. Let's get rid of this person. Let's move this person out of the way. I'm just going to try to cut these people out of my life. I'm going to try to move these people, avoid these people. I'm going to fix all of my problems by doing my own thing, my own thing. But that's the husband. It's not my job or your job to do the cutting. God does the God does the He has great power. But his power isn't just about cutting. You know, his power extends back to the one who planted this vineyard in the first place. In John chapter 1, it says, And the Word became flesh. Jesus came down from heaven. He was the vine planted here on this earth. He grew up. I 
Isaiah talks about him as this tender plant. You know, I can even say when you find that there's no form or comeliness to it. Have you ever seen a grapevine by itself? And it's kind of very really pretty thing to look at this variety. It's curved all over the place. It's got thick stuff sometimes, especially if it's been around a long time. It's usually brown all year round and just looks almost dead by itself. But where do we see the beauty in the Bible? We see the beauty as the Bible comes out to us. And I look at my trees in my life. They're outside They're not very pretty right now, and they just look like a sun. With no leaves on them, with no fruit on them. They look good, but are they good? But what shows the light is when the tree is fruit, when the leaves come out. That's why we enjoy springtime. And we like that very much. The things start to green up. I always love in the, you know, like April time frame when I'm outside and my grass is already starting to turn green and my flowers are starting to look pretty and the trees look nice and I'm out there with my grill cooking some hamburgers or something. And I happen to check on Facebook and my friend up in Minnesota is like, okay, Chevy, but this work of the husbandman, he plants the vine and he tends the vine. He tends the vine. So in his power, we see what he's doing to take care of this vine. But the second thing I want you to know about his work is also the protection. He describes that process in John 15, verse 2. Takes the weight and he turns it. There's two things that he does to the branches that are in this vine. Some he takes away and some he purges. Have you ever seen somebody prune a tree before? It's a process, isn't it? Some things that I believe are true about pruning, especially when it's happening in my life, pruning can be dangerous. Especially if you're the one being pruned, because if you think about it, like in the springtime, as we will have here in the next few months, you'll probably walk out and see some plant or some tree in your yard. And you know what some of those trees will do? They'll send out little green shoots all over the place. Sometimes they'll come right out of the side of the trunk of the tree everywhere else. But a wise gardener, a wise husbandman will come along and will break off those little green shoots, those little succulent branches that come alive. Because they want to keep the remain healthy. But if you were that tree, if you were that person, what do you think you got? Why are you thinking that? Why are you thinking this? Why are you doing that? Thing? There's a process, and that process can be painful. It, back in, um, in the land of Israel, they've done a lot of archaeological digging, and they have found pruning hooks that have been buried for many, many years. And I found some pictures of them in, in one of my books. And, and they're pretty long, looks like a long neck. And at the end, there's a curved tip on And they were usually made out of iron and some other type of metal. And they would walk through the vineyard and they would use that little pruning hook to lop off all of those 
branches that were not bringing forth fruit. Because the person who was caring for the vineyard wanted all of the nutrients of that plant to go into the fruit bearing branches, not into the ones that were not bearing So he had his job. He walked through and cut off all the ones that were not bearing fruit. You know, it takes a wise gardener to be able to determine which ones are going to bear fruit, which ones are not bearing fruit, know which ones to cut off and which ones not to cut off. I'm so thankful. God chooses to be at work in each broken vessel's like you and me. You know, if you were to look at me or I were to look at you, we might look at each other sometimes and say, Oh, God, do you think that? Why is he left him around? That's a pretty funny looking thing. He doesn't talk about the beauty of the planet, he talks about what the belief is to make you see. You may look at your life, your history. Your past, the things that you've been through, but I don't know why or how God could use me. But He still has you here like a puppy to the master. Because if He was done with you, He still has to make you the way you can come in. I have an everyday situation. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I don't think I would be out of bounds to say. God has done any work in your heart to pass you, and He feels any work in your heart like that. God still has a plan for you and for the body that you would be See, you don't look bad and say, Well, I haven't borne as much fruit as I could have. But He's a wise husband. And He's walked through His vineyard, and He can very easily lop off those branches that are not there. Now, there's a warning in that for us. There's a process. Pruning can be painful. Pruning takes time. It takes time. I'm so thankful that the person I am today is not the person I was a few years ago. I'm thankful that God is loving Equipping me with new tools and helping me to walk with Him in a new way. I talked with a friend this past week who's been through some great trials in the past couple of years, and he said, But one thing I've learned, he said, I've learned what the voice of God sounds like. The things he's been through are things that nobody would want to have to go through. I know what it means to be led by the Spirit. I know what it is to read His Word and feel God's convicting power of His Holy Spirit as He does a work in my life, as He speaks to me through His Word, through His Spirit. What a blessing! Sometimes the blessings that we look at that God brings in our life, God brings them through but I want you to notice finally this morning that the husband, the purpose of the husband. See, verses 1 and 2 are not verses primarily focused on the branches and the fruit. That's going to come. We'll be covering that over the next few weeks. 
verses 1 and 2 are really about the vine and the husband. The work of the husband. Now, obviously, the vine and the husbandman's work have implications for us. Because I'm the true vine. My father is the husband. And what does he do? Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. He purges it, but it may bring forth more fruit. What's the scripture? So that means less of me, if I'm the branch, less of me equals more Less of me equals more of him. Less of you means he wants all of you. Because it's easy in our lives to live and to say, well, Lord, you can have this part of me. Do your pruning over here, but leave this alone. There'll be less of me over here, but I'm keeping this for myself. No, less of me means all of you. Lord, you can have all of me. I'm yours. You are the husband. You are the father. You know what needs to be said, what needs to be proved, what needs to be taken out of my life. Love equals love equals love. Twenty twenty three. You're in charge. God in twenty twenty three. You can do the pruning in my life that you want to do. God, this year is not about me. God, my purpose is not to have more of me, it's to have less of me so that you can bear fruit through me. So that you can bear fruit through my life is not about me. Your life is not measured by what you earn. The value of you is demonstrated by the fact that God said it all his time to come to you. The Jesus says, I am true life. He wants to be the person, the place in which you are firmly connected and drawing all of your strength and all of your resources and all of your mind and your heart and your emotions and your plans and directions all to flow from Him. As He does His work through the body that passes through you and me and His Let me take just a couple minutes to do that. What is fruit? What is fruit? We don't have time to go through all of the passages in Scripture on this, but let me just give you a few things you can be thinking about this, present about this, and realize 
You see the Bible talking about spiritual fruit in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, love, all of those things. The fruit of the Spirit is the work that God is doing in me to make me more like Jesus Christ. And as I walk with Him, I become more like Him in my attitude, in my word, in my Fruit is becoming more like Jesus, looking more like Him each and every day. That's fruit. We also see in Scripture fruit being referred to as others who come to Christ, making disciples. So fruit is me looking more like Jesus, and part of looking like Jesus is living like Jesus on the mission of Jesus to point other people to Jesus. So if you look at your life and take stock of life you, what's the truth of it? Well, the jury's still out on that one. So I'm not sure. You may not know what you're saying, but can you say, Lord, I haven't been perfect, but I've learned some more about you than you. You've taught me some things about you, and Lord, I know I haven't always been as receptive as I should be, but thank you for being the human that you can be in my life. Lord, as I look forward to this next year, I'm willing to let you keep on doing it. See, he says, every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. That tells me it's God. Well, I'm happy with where I am right now. God wants to get into the big picture. I don't think that's possible. I want to see this to be working. Because as sinners, we've all fallen short. There's a long way to go between the people and the people who are Lord, keep on working on me. Lord, keep changing me to be more like Jesus. Lord, may your work in and through me change me to be like you and cause others to want to be with you. Lord, I think if that was our attitude this year, we might just be the most fruitful year we've ever had. Fruit doesn't mean Fruit doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the best health that you've ever had. Fruit means that God is going to keep doing His work in and through you to make you into what He wants you to be. We love to quote Romans 8 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. What is good that we would be conformed with the image It's my prayer that you, that me, that our church this year, that we would seek him. That whatever he takes us through, he 
things that we think that he's doing his work. He's working on those things. Pray that he's trying to have a purpose to make the things that he's doing. So when you struggle with that, as we will, and help it. When you struggle with discouragement, and we will, because we're people, may we come back to God and his word and the promise that the Father is doing his work in us to bring forth. Lord, if you want us to give, Lord, if this will help bring forth more fruit, praise your holy name. Because, Lord, I'm you. Morning, Lord. I don't know every person that's here, and I definitely don't know the hearts of the people. You know everything, but I know that you laid these messages in my heart. But Lord, I don't even begin to think that I could say everything perfectly or even anything well in my instance. Lord, you need to take your word. You promised that your word would not be changed. Lord, may we be your humble servants. These vines, or I'm sorry, branches in your hands that you can trim, that you can prune, that you can do what you want to do, so that we could bring forth more fruit, more fruit, less. Me less of us and more of you, more of your presence, more of your power, more of your knowledge, more of your holiness, more of your work, more soul saved, more people walking in fellowship with you, not for our glory, Lord, but for yours. That's what we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.